Ian Davis is joining us from Australia. Ian, good evening. Brian, good morning. It's the middle of the day for me. Um, Ian, could you talk to us a little bit, of course, introduce yourself, and then just talk to us a little bit about the Enzimet trial and the uh, data that you're presenting at ASCO this year? Thanks, Tom, and hello, Brian. Great to be part of your amigos. Uh, thank you for having me back. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Ian Davis. I'm a medical oncologist in Melbourne, Australia, uh, based at Monash University and Eastern Health, and I'm chair of Anza Cancer Trials Group. And I have the, the pleasure and privilege of being the global co-chair of the Enzimet trial with Chris Sweeney, uh, which has been presented at ASCO uh, this year on Sunday the 5th of June. Do you want to just talk, because the Enzimet study is designed, uh, and then just talk a little bit about how it fits into the current landscape. So maybe, in what we know so far, what this adds, that might be a good place to start. Okay, thanks, Tom. So um, Enzimet was actually presented at the ASCO plenary session in 2019 uh, after the first interim analysis of 50% of the expected events. Enzimet is an international phase three randomised open-label study uh, uh, of uh, patients with metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer beginning therapy with testosterone suppression. And it was a very simple question when, when the study began, uh, and that was, could we uh, improve outcomes, uh, particularly overall survival for patients, by adding enzalutamide up front uh, compared to a standard anti-androgen? So this was an academic um, cooperative group uh, study led by Up Cancer Trials Group in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, also involved Cancer Trials Ireland with uh, sites in Ireland and the UK, the Canadian Cancer Trials Group and uh, Dana Farber Cancer Institute. It was supported by Estellas. The findings at that time, back in 2019, after the interim analysis, showed that enzalutamide did improve overall survival. At that time, we had a median follow-up of 34 months and a hazard ratio for death of 0.67 for patients on the enzalutamide arm. So that was very exciting. That was aligned with what had been seen already with Chartered and Stampede with docetaxel and with Stampede and Latitude for, um, for Abiraterone. Uh, we saw the ARCHES data presented earlier that year showing progression-free survival only at that time. And we saw Titan uh, with an apalutamide uh, benefit also at, at uh, ASCO in 2019. Enzimet um, was a little bit different, though, because we allowed the use of docetaxel at investigator discretion. That was not randomised, but it was stratified. And uh, it ended up about 45% of patients on the study also received concurrent docetaxel. So there's a lot of interest about whether the triplet would actually be of uh, additional benefit to uh, testosterone suppression plus enzalutamide alone. And what we found at that analysis was that there was no signal that the triplet therapy improved overall survival, although there was uh, quite a strong signal that triplet therapy did improve progression-free survival with a hazard ratio of about 0.40. Um, Ian, one of the questions, I guess, that people are asking at the moment is um, around this overall survival signal. And we've seen two previous randomized phase three studies supporting over the doublet therapy, both with chemotherapy as the control arm. People say two things about Stampede, about, about Enzimet. The first is that this trial 
um, but it didn't have the similar design. It, there was, you know, it wasn't randomized in the same way as those previous trials that it's harder to interpret the overall survival signal. Would you agree with that? No, I don't think so. Um, it the was first an stupid open... question I'll ask for a while. It <laughs> <laughs> was, was a nice, it's rare that I disagree with you, Tom, of course. But, um, but, but it, was, it was an open label study, but the primary endpoint was overall survival. So that's a pretty hard one to fudge. Uh, and we, we showed with our question that there was um, uh, survival benefit and the um, uh, test for interaction on the subgroups showed no signal that there was any subgroup behaving any differently at that, at that time. So I think it was quite, quite convincing. Now, what's happened since then, of course, is we've got several other studies which have moved the field uh, even further forward. So we've got piece one showing benefit of, uh, of uh, abiraterone. And we've got Aracense now uh, with darolutamide. And there are some differences. Um, darolutamide added to testosterone suppression plus docetaxel. And there are some differences in trial design here, uh, particularly for Aracense, where by definition, all the participants uh, were deemed to be requiring docetaxel. That was part of the basic study design. It was the, it was the uh, underlying treatment to which darolutamide was added. So Aracense answered the question of whether darolutamide added to that combination was useful, and it is. It hasn't answered the question about whether darolutamide, whether docetaxel is necessary and whether you could get a similar effect with uh, ADC plus darolutamide. So enzalutamide is a little, enzamed is a little bit different. Uh, we've got a, a, a real mix of, of prognostic groups. Uh, we had the um, uh, docetaxel used at investigator discretion. I think um, that was the point I was trying to make here. Yeah. Yeah. Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian, do you have a sense of investigator discretion, the, the population of patients that got docetaxel and enzymet? I don't remember if you characterized that in the presentation. Yes. Was it, it was a very... typical high volume or was, was it something else? Yeah, it was, it was um, predominantly given in the high-volume group. So when we opened Enzymet in the beginning of 2014, this was just before the chartered data were presented. And then Chris got up and presented charter, and literally overnight in Australia, people were filling up prescription pads with docetaxel. So our study was dead in the water unless we amended it very rapidly to allow docetaxel. Uh, we really wanted to answer this triplet question, but that would have made it a much larger study. We didn't have the resources to do that. So we, we compromised by allowing it to, uh, at investigator discretion and stratifying for it. So it ended up about 45% uh, of patients overall received docetaxel, but predominantly in high volume disease. So those uh, about 71% of those with high volume disease received docetaxel compared to 37% with low volume disease. And the reason for selection was, we think, probably related to clinical factors that led the investigator to conclude this is something that this participant should receive. Given the small number of low volume patients who got docetaxel, mm -hmm. can you say anything about that subset? I mean, I think what, what we've heard on several podcasts is inpatients eligible for docetaxel that, you know, then, then the triplet might be reasonable. You know, they sort of use that as a gating strategy of, you know, but obviously in low volume, we think those patients are less suitable for docetaxel. So just curious. 
Yeah, so look, that's obviously still a controversial question, so, but it does bring us to the, the current presentation of Enzimet, um, where we've now updated um, the survival data after a median of 68 months of follow-up. And that has shown that across the board for the cohort overall, uh, the benefit of enzalutamide persists. So the, the hazard ratio for overall survival overall survival is 0 0.70, I'll, I'll, I'll just mumble that again, 0 0.70 with 95% confidence interval 0 0.58 to 0 0.84 and still uh, statistically significant P less than 0 0.0001. Uh, the estimated median survival was 73 months for the control group and not reached for the enzalutamide group. And if you look at uh, landmark analysis at five years, 57% in the control group and 67 percent in the enzalutamide group. So that's confirmed the benefit of, of enzalutamide and uh, we are now able to do some exploratory analyses across various subgroups, particularly looking at um, subgroups of prognostic significance. We've gone back and looked at the patients with high or low volume disease and those with synchronous de novo metastatic disease versus those with metachronous or relapsed uh, metastatic disease. And there's a few messages which have come out of that. We need to be careful not to overinterpret these uh, findings, and we've been careful not to uh, do statistical comparisons, but we've shown the Kaplan Micros at, at, at ASCO. And what we've seen here is that it's very clear that weak androgen deprivation therapy, testosterone suppression with an old antiandrogen, we did have an active control, is not the best approach. Even though that arm did quite well in our, in our study, um, uh, it performed worse than all of the other arms. So that's, that's not the right approach. We also found that um, uh, across the board, enzalutamide alone with, the, with testosterone suppression or docetaxel or the combination of both all had similar outcomes. So that really raises the question of uh, whether the docetaxel might be needed. Uh, and in fact, it's, I think, raised the hypothesis that the greatest benefits of triplet therapy, uh, where uh, comprising testosterone suppression plus enzalutamide plus docetaxel, might really be limited to those patients with the poorest prognosis disease. And that would be uh, especially those with synchronous and high volume disease. So if you've got low volume disease, uh, probably don't need docetaxel. Enzalutamide is, is uh, certainly better than standard antiandrogen. Um, uh, if you have the poorest prognosis disease, maybe that's the group where you might want to use triplet therapy if you're going to, but we also know that you get good results with enzalutamide alone. Yeah, one thing so that one struck of the me about what I you guess... just said is those medians. No, don't fight, lads. You go... <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to comment on the medians. The, the median survivals, those really very impressive sort of just absolute numbers. Yeah, so uh, um, as I say, uh, 73 months for the control group, not reached for yeah. enzalutamide, um, and 57% um, five-year survival in the control group is right up there with the experimental arms of contemporary trials. So our control group has done very well. They had an active antiandrogen, a weak one, but an active one, and a um, significant number of them also received best standard of care then with docetaxel. So, you know, we have nobbled ourselves a little bit by doing so well in the control group, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it's gratifying that re this really does 
represent the best international standard of care for the outcomes of the control group. And even with that, we're still seeing the benefit of enzalutamide um, uh, as the alternative. So in how change thinking and does it change can't speak for everybody's brain, but I think that uh, have a go, have a go. in the go. early part of 2022, we've been really influenced by piece one. We've been really influenced by Aracense data, which were very impressive. And I think when Aracense came out, um, there was a real sense that everybody should be getting triplet therapy, and it would be understandable if that were the case. But we have to remember that Aracense was a very high-risk population, 86% or something of patients um, had uh, had synchronous disease. They had a very high proportion of visceral metastases, and they were all deemed uh, necessary to have docetaxel. So that's a very different population. Enzymet really contained a mix of um, of, of prognostic groups, um, and uh, you know, I think more closely reflects the spectrum of patients that come through our clinic. So. Uh, if you just look at Aracensius, you'd probably be wanting to recommend it for everything. What I think Enzymet suggests to us is that we know what not to do, which is testosterone suppression by itself in a patient who's fit to get anything. Um, for lower volume disease, docetaxel, or lower risk disease, docetaxel is probably not necessary. For higher risk disease, that might be the group that where you would consider it, Bearing in mind, of course, that triplet therapy is only ever a consideration if your patient is both willing and able to receive docetaxel. And if there's any doubt about that, then I am uh, comforted by the data we've shown, uh, which would indicate that testosterone suppression plus enzalutamide would give you very good outcomes as well. So Ian, in, in clinical practice, what are your criteria? What are those high-risk criteria assuming a patient's fit for docetaxel, where you say, I'm going to use the triplet? Yeah, we're, we're, we're simple creatures. So we looked at the timing of disease, whether the patient presented with synchronous or metachronous metastatic disease, recognising that synchronous disease does worse, and the volume of disease by charted criteria. So synchronous and high-volume metastatic disease is the group that does least well. Metachronous low-volume disease is the group that does best. That group... Uh, should still have intensification of testosterone suppression, but probably does not need to have triplet therapy. The high-volume group, if you're going to use triplet therapy, that's probably the, the uh, subset where it should be considered the most seriously. Visceral mets, does that enter into your equation? Uh, really just in terms of the charted criteria. So that, that would be yeah. sufficient to put someone into the high-volume category. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, what are the shortcomings of the trial? Um, you talked about the control arm having issues with changing standard of care. How does that impact the outcome? Uh, sorry, the, the question about the control arm. Can you just say it again? Um, what are the shortcomings of the trials? What are the major shortcomings? Yeah. And was the change in practice during the conduct of the trial having a major impact on how we analyze? Right. So uh, to answer the second part first, um, I don't think it really did have much effect. We had recruited only 88 patients 
uh, by the time the uh, First Amendment came through that allowed us to use docetaxel. So that, that was only a very small proportion of the patients. But the limitations of the study are really, of course, that the docetaxel use was not randomised. Uh, we wished that we had been able to do that and power the study accordingly, but that uh, to, to answer that question definitively. Um, the study is not powered for those subset analyses that we've talked about, and I've shown it at the... Uh, at the oral abstract session. And I guess the other point is when we're trying to tease out the differential effects of docetaxel and enzalutamide, it's important to remember why these patients would have received docetaxel in the first place. And so sometimes uh, it's, it's um, uh, fairly easy to fall into the trap of confusing a treatment effect with the different prognostic groups. Um, and uh, uh, we've seen that in some some of the curves there where, you know, if you took it at face value, you'd think, oh, gee, giving docetaxel means someone's going to do worse. No, it actually means it was given to a, 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 a mm -hmm. subset of patients that were destined to do worse. Ian, last question for me. Do you think we the field needs, you know, a dual hormone plus minus docetaxel study? That's always been the criticism of the triplet studies as well. It doesn't kind of answer the clinical question we're asking of who needs docetaxel. Do you think we need to do that? Or does the existing data and subsets, et cetera, answer it enough and we should just move on to other things? Uh, as a statistical purist and, and clinical trialist, yes, that's the study that, that we need. No, none of the um, studies that we've got so far have answered that question for us. So that is still the biggest gap in, in this area. On the other hand, you know, Enzimet now has a median 68 months of follow-up. It's very mature. Uh, we've got some impressive-looking uh, Kaplan-Meier curves here uh, without statistical analysis, but if you look at them qualitatively, there's some very clear messages there about how well uh, addition of enzalutamide only is doing in comparison to the other study groups. So uh, you, you asked before about impact on, on practice. Once these agents are available, uh, in various regions and for patients who are fit and able to receive any of, of these treatments, um, I think we may already have enough. We know that um, uh, the addition of enzalutamide in this case gives very good results, uh, comparable to the patients who've received docetaxel or the, or the triplet. And if you go, as I was saying before, if you're going to choose any subgroup to receive the triplet, you could probably use this data to justify giving it to those at highest risk. But for those who are not at highest risk, you, you might want to reserve that drug for the development of castrate-resistant disease. And that's a separate question. Any plans for biomarkers, Ian? Yes, thanks for asking that question, Tom. There, there are huge plans in, in place. Uh, we, we collected uh, tissue and blood on, um, uh, on all of these patients and we've got a, a substantial array of uh, translational work to be done, uh, looking at um, tissue and blood genomics, uh, looking at various um, cytokines, inflammatory markers, metabolomics, lipidomics, uh, as well as a range of other studies, in, including uh, looking at the um, histology with various artificial intelligence approaches and uh, some detailed immunotic chemistry as well. So there's quite a lot more yet to come out of this study. Ian, congratulations. What a huge investigator-initiated trial. Spectacularly successful. Um, fantastic that you guys in Australia are doing such terrific work with the collaborators around the world in this area. Thank you, Tom. As you say, it is a, it's, a, it's a global project and we're uh, very fortunate to be able to work with such wonderful people.
Yeah, congratulations, Ian. Thanks for joining Excuse us. Bye-bye. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Tom. All right, cheers.